Chris Gowser here with Matt Howell. And this week on The First Run, we pull out our character sheets and our polyhedral dice with Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. On the D20 of cinema, does Chris Pine Party roll a critical success or flub it with a natural one? Then we shift gears into Thai folklore with the horror romance Inhuman Kiss. As always, we break down the big physical media releases for the week, give you our straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week, and wrap up the big show with another edition of TFR Libs. So let's roll for initiative and get this encounter started with Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I have, like, no idea. Two-thirds <laughs> of what you just said. Okay, Simon, how does this work? All right. Once the dead man is revived, we can ask him five questions, at which point he will die again, mm-hmm. never to be re-revived. Why five questions? I don't know. That's just how it works. Seems arbitrary. Can we get on with this, please? Right. Yes. Perlamon Tergatis. Maybe I'm not saying it right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't scared, nearly startled. Here we go. Were you killed in the Battle of the Everhorse? Yes. Great. I mean, uh, not for you. Sorry for your loss. Four more questions, right? Yes. No, 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 that, w- that wasn't for you. Did that count as a question? Yes. Damn it. Only answer when I talk to you, okay? Yes. Why did you say okay at the end of that? I didn't. Fantastic. Where's the shovel? So, Matt, it sounds like Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves is a laugh riot adventure mm-hmm. for a family of all ages. But sometimes when you try to introduce humor to these kind of franchises, especially a franchise like this, which has not done so well in uh, the uh, cinematic world in the past. Sure. Though it had a popular TV show when we were kids, right? right. Yeah, that's true. A little cartoon. So you're the D&D guy around these parts. Mm-hmm. What did you think? What worked? What didn't? What took you by surprise? What are your thoughts? Well... Wait, I, I, I did it again. Yes, you did. What is Dungeons & Dragons <laughs> Hunter Among Thieves all about? You would think that we would have this down after 10 plus years of doing this, but here we are. I think I'm just super excited to ask you about this one because you are a D&D guy. Mm-hmm. So. Fair, fair enough. Chris Pine plays Edgen the Bard along with uh, Holga the Barbarian. They are imprisoned for a crime they committed as a party of thieves. He breaks out. They... Go and seek his daughter, and um, she wants nothing to do with him. She thinks that he abandoned her. And he makes it his mission to go out and find a relic that will help bring back his dead wife. And uh, adventure follows as he gets the old gang back together. That's great, Matt. All right, so back to it. Yeah. What do you think? What worked? <laughs> what didn't? Yeah. What took you by surprise? Yeah. You're a resident D&D guy. It's true. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Um. so I thought... Quite a bit of this worked. I think uh, the kind of humor that they struck with this works for the most part. I mean, some of it runs from a chuckle to a, you know, parts that actually did make me kind of laugh out loud, especially the illusion scene that starts to go wrong, I thought was particularly funny. But I think what really sells this, and I'll be interested to hear what you have to say, is mm-hmm. just the little nods to the actual playing of the game itself. Like when uh, Regé Jean uh, Page's character is explaining how to get across this 
trap-strewn bridge, and it's a huge, complicated puzzle. And it just made me laugh just thinking about being in those situations where the guy who came up with this is has this ridiculously complicated and unintuitive way to solve this deadly trap, and then, of course... Somebody screws it all up right off the bat, and somebody asks about the way to kind of solve it. Just little nods to the game in and of itself, I really appreciate it. And the more I think about it, the more I I like it. Um, I had uh, quite a good time with this, but I'm kind of curious, as the non-D&D nerd, what you thought. Yeah, back at this time, you know, Matt's playing D&D. I'm just slaying it with the ladies, <laughs> so I didn't really... Uh... <laughs> I wasn't in my parents' basement rolling sure. dice. What are they? Octagonal? I don't, what'd you, what? Polyhedral dice? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever, nerd. And uh, yeah. So I enjoyed kind of those moments for what they were. I didn't appreciate that that's a nod to kind of somebody screwing up while mm-hmm. you're playing the game itself. Right. So I guess that makes sense. That's fun. Uh, I will say that I found this to be a pleasant surprise. I really actually enjoyed this. I thought it was very funny. I thought it was pretty engaging. I think for me, the hook of this entire film is why it works as well as it does is Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. I think he does his best work as the rapscallion, right? There's him channeling a version of his captain character slash Han Solo mischievous kind of guy with his eyebrow raised and that clever little smirk smile and... This is when kind of Pines at the height of his powers, where he's able to really kind of uh, leverage his charm and make you kind of fall in love with him all over again. <laughs> and I don't think the film's any kind of grand statement. We're not like doing any cinematic revelatory type sure. stuff here. Sure. Uh, but I think it does kind of have some interesting messages in it. I think there's an attempt uh, to kind of have a, you know, an interesting discussion about. The power of choice in action, that magical thinking won't really get you anywhere, mm-hmm. which I think is a fun little thing to insert in a film that deals so much in kind of magic in a way. So that, that's fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think for what the film is, I think it absolutely nails it. I think they balance the tone of this perfectly where it doesn't mock geeks and nerds like Matt. <laughs> and I think it brings the gags up when appropriate. While lovingly building this world around us, bringing in the simpletons, the cool kids who are making out with chicks playing Seven Minutes of Heaven in the closet. Right. You know, one step at a time. I think it's a good job of holding the neophytes, like holding our hands, mm-hmm. while paying loving homage to all of you. And um, I think they do a great job pulling it off. I mean, the plot's a little oversimplistic. Yeah. I don't think our villains are exactly portrayed with any real depth. Yeah. I think the relationships between some of the characters are gossamer thin. I don't really get the, you know, the, the I mean, I get it, but it didn't, the relationship between Simon and Doric, the druid, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of more played for laughs and isn't any actual, right. you know, any stakes in any kind of relationship. But the whole film's like that. Right. And that's going to that's what we're doing then you know what? That's fine. Yeah. That's good. But again, uh, I go back to it's essentially... Again, a nod to a D&D game. Nobody ever figures out why all these characters that you made are have any kind of relationship. It's paid the strictest of lip service. Nobody ever plays the game really ever really concerns themselves why all these people are hanging out with each other. So that's, yeah, that's okay. kind of, that's kind of part of it. Um, and I think 
I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it um, as someone who is not a cool kid and really kind of can explore the limits of their imagination and is stuck into just experiencing what other people throw up on a screen for you. Um, sure. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's, if you are, if you are, you know, any kind of, um, you know, role playing game player, even if you maybe played computer games and things like that, it's, it, there are so many little Easter eggs in it that it, it's really gonna, um, really feed into your enjoyment. And I think all of the stuff that Chris mentioned as, you know, weaknesses or at least parts that maybe weren't as strong about the film, I completely agree that those things are there. But again, it's like a D&D game. Like, why is the wizard doing any of the things that she's doing? It doesn't really matter. She's there for the guys to kill them, right? She's the bad guy. That's the one you have to overcome. And it's not really about, you know, her. It's about the process to get to the the final villain. So, I don't know. I had a great time with it. Um I love it's very meta, man. It is. It's all very meta. I understand that. Um but you know, if you have played the game, you're you're gonna love it as far as all the little nods, because uh, there's just more and more of it as as you go through it. I could spend like 20 minutes talking about all the different stuff that's in it. That's fun. Well, like, what were your couple of your favorites? I'd love to hear. I mean, the stuff I caught. All the thing about the only reference I caught was the the one to the cartoon show. Yeah, in the maze. Right. Yeah. That's the only one that I, that was like blatantly obvious yeah, to me. Yeah. Um. So just like. Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, they encounter the intelligence eating monsters, right? That, that passes them by indicating that they're not intelligent. Well, the mm-hmm. reason from a game perspective why they're not intelligent is because it's not important for any of the classes that they have. So it's a dump stat. They put their lowest scores in intelligence. So they all just pass them because it doesn't matter if you're playing those type of characters to be smart. Um, so, or the fact that the paladin character, is obviously just like way better and cooler than any of the other characters. So it's like the DM, the guy who's running the show, that's like his character. Like he inserted himself into the game as way better and way more like, you know, smarter and handsome and charming and, uh, you know, capable than all the rest of them. Um, and then even just when he's like exiting where he's like, he's just walking in a straight line. He's just going to cross right over that rock, you know, like that kind of stuff. It's literally like if you were playing on a, you know, map, like a flat paper map and like the DM pushes the miniature just like off the, off the, the edge of the map to show that they're going. It's like kind of a reference to that. He's just walking over all the obstacles. Like they aren't there because it's just a guy on a grid kind of thing. Interesting. Look at you. So when I was a kid, I had two toys, mm-hmm. action figures from this franchise. I had the bald wizard. Sure. The little guy. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then I had the uh, the blue knight or the guy, the silver knight that had the blue cape yeah. and the mustache. Yeah, yeah. Those are the two toys I had from Dungeons & Dragons. I don't know how I got them, but I did. There you go. I never played it. So probably because of the cartoon. Yeah. I don't know if they were in the cartoon, though. Either way. So interesting stuff. Uh, what else about this? I had totally forgotten that there was a previous film mm. and that there was actually a trilogy. The first one was, I think, was, uh, so they did the first film, which I think Jer- was Jeremy Irons was in it. And then um, then they did a a TV sequel, like okay. I think a sci-fi channel type thing. And then they did a straight to DVD third film. Interesting. I don't even so. think I, I do remember the Jeremy Iron one. And I remember how bad it was because they played it as like a, like a, like a straight, you know, 
blockbuster fantasy kind of thing and it's just awful to try and do it that way i don't even remember that the other two were even there existed to be quite honest with you there you go so this has done reasonably well Mm -hmm. it cost 150 bones to make it's currently it's sitting at 73 yeah is that worldwide or is that domestic that is i think global yeah so i don't it's weird because it's it's the critics the people who see it seem to love it Mm -hmm. i just don't know if they're if and it did knock out John Wick out of uh, first place. It did. So that's a good thing. Uh, I don't. I also don't know what its global release schedule is, though. I mean, the number is usually global, but I also don't know if it's been released wide, like everywhere. Right. Right. So I think this will be one of those things to see. I hope that it does well. I hope that there's good word of mouth. I know I've been talking it up to people who will listen. I mean, mm-hmm. but to be quite honest with you. Even players in my D&D group that I'm in now, I said, if you haven't, have how many of you have seen it? If you've seen it, and like none of them have had gone to see it. Like, like, really? yeah. So I'm hoping that it has legs. I'm hoping word of mouth will at least make it kind of have a long tail, um, even though it's up against some st- stiff competition with uh, Mario next week. But apparently I hear Mario is not particularly good. So we shall see. Oh boy! Yeah. So yeah, according to the Wikipedia's, forty mil in the U.S. and Canada, Canada, mm-hmm. and thirty-three million in other territories for a worldwide total of seventy-three million. Yeah, I think it's good. I think there are no immediate plans for a sequel, yeah. supposedly. But if they do do one, they would want to maintain the same cast, I guess, mm-hmm. because they've introduced these characters and want to do a new adventure with them. And that's what I would like to see. I think they all work together well. I think they found a good group of people. I think the chemistry between all of them is is solid and i i'd be open to a sequel i really would i think it's going to come down matt at this point maybe to a real robust kind of home video digital performance here yeah i think that's gonna have to push them over the edge maybe you're right maybe you'll be right and they'll have some legs i don't know the other thing too is that paramount plus has already greenlit a spinoff series and made a full eight episode commitment for that oh wow so I don't I I think it's going to take place in the world and feature different characters and such, but uh, still they're expanding it a little bit. So yeah. maybe that'll help bring a sequel around too. I, I don't know. And you know it's funny we almost had years ago, a Joe Mangiola version of it. Oh he's really? D and D guy. Yeah, he is a big D and D guy. Yeah. And he but here's the problem. He had to partner with Dwayne Johnson mm. to develop this. Yeah, that's a problem. And I could not even imagine what that would have been like. It's so funny how, if you look at the old episodes of this show, how high I used to be on Dwayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. As a, like, like, I think like the next Arnold. Yeah. Like charisma, yeah. lot of stuff. And it, but now it's just... Well, as you can, his ego is on full display kind of thing. And he hasn't been able to back it up. I think that's what it is. Yeah. It's skyscraper was dreadful. Yeah. And all that stuff with Black Adam, when he tried to basically will... Yeah. Himself into continuing that kind of DC Snyder universe with just a not great film. But I got Dr. Fate, so I guess I can't complain too much. A good Dr. Fate. A, good, a really good Dr. Fate. The the best part of that film. You know who else is a big D&D guy? Vin, Vin Diesel. And you know that uh, yeah. that uh, that Witch Hunter film is, is based off of like a, a D&D character that he did. Is it really? I've yeah. never seen it. I've never seen it either, but I, I heard that that's, that's what it, that's what it based it off of. So I, I'm tempted to try and see if I could play this now. So how do you do them remotely? How does that work? Just do it on Zoom. 
you know, um, basically everybody, it's all just a lot of talking. And then there are things called, uh, virtual tabletop. So if we ever do need a map or like, you need to see what you're doing, I can display it on screen so you can visualize it or whatever. And you still do, people still use the books and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Although there's electronic solutions for all that. There's things you can buy online and sign up for that'll do all the hard work for you as far as the nerd kind of minutia. All right. Yeah. Now, do you conjure any demons or something? Uh, no. That was one of the big concerns, right? Yeah, there was. That's, I do still want to catch up with that Tom Hanks uh, D&D panic, mm-hmm. uh, satanic panic uh, 80s TV movie. I have not seen it yet. But uh, yeah, no, we have yet to have that happen. But I keep the Latin to a minimum when I'm playing the game. <laughs> Smart. Just don't say it backwards. Exactly. I think that's when you're really going to get into trouble. Mm-hmm. Matt, I gave Dungeon Dragons Honor Among Thieves a B plus. I'm really happy that you gave it a B plus. I gave it an A minus, but I'm biased. I have uh, I have a, a certain love for the the source material that Chris just doesn't have, and that's okay. There you go. Yeah, now you know I'm smooching the ladies. Matt's <laughs> in his basement rolling dice. Yeah, but now we're old. I mean, your your smooching days are down to the to one person. So I mean, it's it's uh, you got time now, right? Don't make assumptions about my relationships. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, if you had a chance to see Dungeons Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Matt, coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, I hate to say it, but we're we're jumping right out of the box with our uh, audio clip with the uh, number one film. So I guess I'll start with this. There can be only one. And then this. Did you ever hear the story of the Fisher King? No. It begins with the king as a boy, having to spend the night alone in the forest to prove his courage so he can become king. Now, while he's spending the night alone, he's visited by a sacred vision. Out of the fire appears the Holy Grail, symbol of God's divine grace. And a voice said to the boy, You shall be keeper of the grail so that it may heal the hearts of men. But the boy was blinded by greater visions of a life filled with power and glory and beauty. And in this state of radical amazement, he felt for a brief moment not like a boy, but invincible, like God. So he reached in the fire to take the grail and the grail vanished, leaving him with his hand in the fire to be terribly wounded. That sounds horrible, Matt. So, Terry Gilliam's The Fisher King is being released by Criterion in 4K. A brand new 4K restoration approved by Gilliam includes Dolby Vision HDR presentation, uh, archival audio commentary by Gilliam, interviews, and uh, more. Includes some deleted scenes, costume tests, and the rest. Are you a Fisher King fan? I haven't seen that movie in a very long time. I've never seen it, actually. Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah. I think it's well worth checking out. So uh, what else is coming up, Matt? Uh, Bill Nye in Living is your... Uh, I did it again, Matt. Your number five. Number five! And uh, this is basically an English language adaptation of Ikaru, uh, Kurosawa's classic film. This one's set in London in the 50s. Uh, I believe Nye got an Oscar nomination for this film. All right. So then after that... Four! Gorgeous from 88 Films is coming out. This is the uh, Jackie Chan film. There's a limited edition that comes out with a, an O-ring slipcase, 28-page booklet, and a folded travel poster. 2K transfers from the original materials of the Hong Kong and international versions of the film. A couple commentaries. 
and uh, more, including a commentary with Jackie Chan himself. Next up. Get three coffins ready. Uh, huh? Heart of the Dragon by Arrow, another Jackie Chan film, gets a 2K restoration. Uh, includes, what else here, Matt? The extended cut of the film and a brand new audio commentary, archival interviews, and more. And I'm not going to play number two, Matt, because I got another thing special for you for number two coming out this Tuesday. And I know you're going to pick it up. Yeah! Jamesy! Go on! Go on, little baby! <laughs> It's a long Matt's one favorite too. clip. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, Brendan Cronenberg's Infinity Pool is being released on Blu-ray. I haven't heard anything about a 4K, nor have I heard anything about his unrated version, mm. which has just a little bit more of that and a little bit more of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nothing really substantially different. He just cut the uh, hallucinatory scene differently. So... There you go. But that's coming up there, man. And of course, we played The Fisher King for you. That's our number one. Uh, another 4K release, the uh, 80s classic Flashdance is being released oh. in 4K. And then your straight-to-DVD pick of the week, Mac, I'm going to go with Baby Oopsie 3, <coughs> Burn, Baby Burn. Restorationist Sybil, comedian social media sensation Libby Higgins, is commissioned to create a new line of dolls, Matt, for a shadow, shadowy company. She ends up sculpting a duo of homicidal plastic playthings whose wickedness rivals Oopsies. Will Sybil's last gasp effort to take Oopsies' evil cabal of satanic toys work? Will she be able to save her friend Ray Ray's soul? This is the big balls-out cinematic smackdown you've been waiting for. Burn, baby, burn. Baby Oopsie, I believe, is like a a possessed satanic little baby doll. Kind of like a Chucky, but like a baby. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Of course. What else would it be? I don't know. What should we be streaming this week? Well, in honor of uh, watching a movie about a game, I'm going to suggest Game Night, uh, a enjoyable little diversion um, with starring Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams about uh, a very competitive couple that gets involved in a very competitive game that has higher stakes than they realize. But the king of that movie is Jesse Plemons pulling in an all-timer, creepy-ass, hilarious performance. Absolutely. And you know, you did catch the fact that it's the same directors, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. They did Dungeons and Dragons and this, too. So there you go. Good times. All right, Matt. Let's keep rolling, then. Let's uh, jump across the other pond, the Mm -hmm. Pacific one. Yeah. And spend a few minutes talking about Inhuman Kiss. (laughs) ที่ขอเล่าว่าบ้านน่ะมีที่มีวิญญาณของอินวนที่เฝ้าโคกนี้อยู่ไม่ยอมไปไหนอินปอนคือนะใครที่มาที่เนี่ยจะไม่ได้
but uh, in a film called The Mystics of Bali, okay. which is a movie I still have never seen, but I've always wanted to. But it's my first experience with this type of demonic kind of monster, which is basically a woman's head, then like a neck that's either exposed or unexposed, yeah, with a heart, and then like these tendrils yeah. that kind of come off. What happens is, I guess she is she possesses a young woman, and then. At night, she separates from the body and goes to feed on livestock, whatever the case may be. And if she runs out of that, then she moves on to, like, babies. Yeah. And the legend of them basically kind of dealt with, I guess, where they first came up, there were near swamplands. It would be, like, the gases at night and yeah. stuff and the lights. It would make it look weird. Yeah. And, you know, so maybe some animals come in and kill the livestock or maybe a baby dies. And there'd be kind of any curses to, like, you know, plants don't grow, that kind of thing, pestilence, whatever the case may be. So anyway, what we do here, though, in the beginning, you just heard a clip. There's four kids from this village, uh, and they go play in the forest. And there's this old abandoned house where supposedly, Matt, one of these Krasus is lives in a box. Mm -hmm. And she comes out and protects or lords over the forest. And we flash forward. I thought a long time, but I guess it's like 10 years. Because mm -hmm. one thing I, I, I was struggling with is... With our lead character, Sai, is she supposed to be going through puberty? And is that the explanation for the blood she finds in the bed in the beginning? I think so, right? Because okay. I thought she'd be in her late teens, early 20s. Yeah. But I think maybe they're supposed to be even younger than that, okay. maybe? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's right. I couldn't yeah. tie that together. So anyway. One of these Krasus, oh, so there's a, a, a group of bandits or Krasu hunters, or the case may be this mysterious group of people come to the town hunting the Krasu. There is supposedly one in their little village, and then madness ensues. Right. And maybe this little gang is maybe not who they really say they are. Right. Matt, what are your thoughts on Inhuman Kiss? Listen, we are not above pandering to the whims of the internet. And other woke viral trends. <laughs> so this film was kind of making the rounds online last week. Uh, at least a clip from it with the uh, Krasu. Yeah. So I thought, well, you know, I've always loved this demon monster. Let's check it out. Matt was uh, very nice and on board with it. So here we are. What are your thoughts? Was it worth checking out? What do you think of Inhuman Kiss? Yeah, I think it. I think it was worth checking out. Now I will be generous and say it is deliberately paced. Um, and. Mm -hmm. I think I was not prepared for the kind of heavy romance angle, the almost love triangle aspect of it that kind of dominates yeah. the middle of the film. Uh, I'm a simple man. I want my horrors to be scary or to be gory or violent. And, and there are aspects of that here. There are some really unsettling scenes. There's some good monster effects. Um, but for long stretches of it, there isn't really a lot of that. And I kind of was missing it. So while I overall thought the film was relatively enjoyable, it's not what I was expecting. I was expecting or hoping for maybe something a little kind of unhinged uh, off the kind of uh, a leash and, and just wild. And we didn't really get that until towards the end. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I I think the film definitely has some pacing issues. We spent entirely too long dwelling on the internal strife of Psy, the love triangle, which she's involved, her secret in maintaining it. And uh, the mystery of the monster or the monsters, I think they take a tad too long mm -hmm. to develop. I think rooting the film in a love triangle is an interesting idea. I think it helps us expand kind of the personal motivations from a romantic drama into a horror genre. 
like is it jealousy that really creates the real monsters here type of a thing right i think that's interesting conceptually i think to grounding the fir- the film further are there are three leads um fintara pipitacorn i'm gonna you know what just uh, three leads okay sinoid <laughs> <laughs> thank you i think they all deliver really engaging performances and i think they resonate emotionally i i do i just like you matt i want a little more monster in my monster movie mm. so i want to double back too because so i guess i guess it's a bit of a spoiler here though i kind of the teaser in the beginning is that she encounters the Krasu in the very beginning of the film as a young child right so why does it not show up until later what is the initiating event that causes the Krasu to come back manifest yeah that's why I thought maybe it was a puberty thing, especially too, because the way the first time she wakes up, yeah. I think that was, yeah. See, I just interpreted that as um, she was just she just had her period, so she wasn't she didn't think anything of it, I guess. But I think I think you're right. It could be that or the other option. I'd have to go back and really pay attention. Is the kind of return of Noi, like her love, as it were, and then that whole kind of jealousy love triangle aspect comes into place because that love triangle and the Krasu and the Kerrang and all that stuff that plays a big part at the end. And that seems to be one of the driving forces. So I think it's the kind of, you know, uh, the, the jealousy slash, you know, um, love triangle piece of it. That may be the, the, the catalyst for her turning into her Krasu self, or maybe it's just puberty. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. That's interesting. That, 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 I like that too because it does kind of then fold back right in with the fact that they're the director, uh, Mongol Siri, boy, um, is, is really trying to meld these genres, mm. but giving us a metaphor for the rela- relationships between people, especially a love triangle. That's the, you're right. I think that is the catalyst for everything that un, becomes kind of undone in their in their little village town so that's interesting yeah all right i think it's mostly successful i uh i think it was appropriately creepy i think some of the effects were top notch i think that as it was appropriately gory when it needed to be mm-hmm. but just like you say i would like i would like a little bit more but i think in the end matt i'm giving human kiss a b yeah i think i'm gonna give it a b minus um i didn't have quite as much tolerance for the romance piece. And I was a little disappointed. Those uh, tentacles, I guess I did a little reading about the monster because I was curious. Uh, those are supposed to be her intestines. So I really wish they had uh, really leaned into the fact that it's her guts hanging out beneath her. Interesting. All right. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of quick notes. I guess there is a, there is a sequel out there. Oh, there okay. is in Human Kiss 2. Right. Uh, this is currently streaming on Netflix. I don't believe the sequel is. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to make a big effort to search it out, but who knows? Maybe they amp up the crazy in that one. Maybe, Maybe do some research first. It might be worth checking out. And then I just want to say to Netflix, what the hell, man? Their issues with subtitles continues. My only English option for subtitles, Matt, was the SDH. Yeah, right. Which is deaf and hard of hearing. So when I got the, uh, you know. Dramatic violence. Forlorn violin <laughs> strings. Yeah, dr- creepy music. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm happy they include SDH. I really am. Yeah. And I think it's. I mean, it should be a requirement if it's not. But I would like the option to just have English subtitles. I thought it was really weird. Because they had Spanish. I think they had French. I think they had German. But yeah. for some reason, wouldn't get a uh, traditional, just straight English subtitle. I just do not understand that at all. So, that's it. All right. 
Mimi Kiss currently streaming on Netflix. Get a chance to see it. Shoot us an email. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, it's returning for everybody's fill-in-the-blank game. TFR Libs. And uh, I think I got some good ones. You're not here. We're not there. The car exploded. Come get the girls. I have to stay here with Woodrow. I'm not the chauffeur. I'm the grandfather. Where are you? Asteroid City, Farm Route 6, Mile 75. Junior stargazers and space cadets. Each year we celebrate Asteroid Day, commemorating September 23rd, 3007 BC, when the arid plains meteorite made Earth impact. Holy Toledo, that's Mitch Campbell. You were very good in the one about the tramp in the brothel Thank who you. gets amnesia and Thank becomes you. a pediatrician. You were very awesome. Actually, maybe my favorite character ever. I don't know why nobody else liked it. Oh. What do those pulses indicate? What? Oh, the beeps and blips? We don't know. Some of our information about outer space may no longer be completely accurate. Anyway, there's still only nine planets in the solar system as far as we know, Billy. Except now there's an alien. Now, Matt, there is an alien. Voice Anderson returns, Matt. Let's just get it out of the way. Asteroid City, the first trailer dropped. That is a portion of it. Did you get a chance to see the Asteroid City trailer? I didn't. I saw Blue Beetle and I saw Barbie, but I did not realize Asteroid City had dropped. Yep, I've seen those two as well. I've not seen the latest Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, though. Mm. So TFR Libs is our fill-in-the-blank game, Matt. I don't know how this is going to work now, because my question was, Asteroid City looks blank. Uh, it sounds maybe a little underwhelming. I'm not sure. As has I, I generally enjoy Wes Anderson's films, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not super excited about it, because I'm mm. not sure what he's going to bring to a genre film. I, I'm kind of hopeless, hopelessly, opt, I'm cautiously optimistic. I do as well enjoy uh, Anderson's films. I think uh, former co-host that we don't talk about anymore, he was a massive Wes Anderson film. Mm. Big, big fan of his, so I'm sure he's very excited. And I, there, I was, I think, underwhelmed, we'll say, with The French Dispatch. The Jeffrey Wright's tale in that, I think, was fantastic. At least his performance certainly was. So I would like to see... Or turn to form for here uh, for uh, Anderson. Not that he's really fallen off per se, right? I love Grand Budapest Hotel. I right. love the dogs is good. Moonrise Kingdom is great, you know. So I still though I don't like Darjeeling Limited. Maybe I got to revisit that thing. I just man, I just don't like that film. Yeah. Either way, all right. I I think it looks interesting. I'm hopeful. I think it, yeah. So we'll see. What do you got for me? Um, so Donald Glover did a recent interview with GQ and, uh, he was talking about his roles of which he then talked about, uh, community. And towards the end, when he was talking about community, he described that, uh, well, we haven't seen a script yet, but I'm sure we'll get it when, you know, right at the last minute as is Dan Harmon's way, almost essentially confirming that he is going to be in the community film. Which I am very excited for because I think he was a, a big sorely missed in the later seasons of Community, even though they were good for the most part. So, Donald's Glover's role in the Community film will be blank. Hmm. I yeah. I think I saw on Twitter today that he is he is in the film, but maybe more that somebody's making an assumption based off that interview you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So. I'm trying to think what he has going on right now. Atlanta's over. Right. Right? They just, just wrapped that up this season. 
So I don't, I mean, I'm my, my real hope is that he's just in the whole film. Yeah. That he's a main character. Yeah. My fear, he's only going to be in it for like a five minute little thing. Like, like he's visiting from wherever he is or something. Like, or even worse, party. it'll be like a zoom call or something like that. Oh God. Can you imagine <laughs> that would be very upsetting. So, uh, but yeah, no, I think Donald Glover in the community movie, at least it's, it's a relief. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fantastic. So I think too, in another interview, I don't know if it was with him or maybe it was with Dan Harmon or even Joel McHale, where somebody asked him if Chevy Chase was in the movie mm-hmm. and they said, I don't even know if that's legal <laughs> because, so, because Chase had had some HR issues on that set as well, right, um, right. saying some inappropriate things to Glover of a racial nature. Mm-hmm. So either way, I'm... I don't know. I guess am I going to throw him cautiously optimistic again? I guess I yeah. I think I'll, I'm I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to say that he is in the film proper, and he will be on screen. I'm assuming it'll be like 87 minutes. Yeah, that he will be on screen for at least 63 of those minutes. Okay. Yeah, I I I agree with you. I'm going to just keep thinking that and hoping that I can secret uh, power of of uh, wishful thinking just will it into existence. There you go. Mm-hmm. I hope you're right. Me too. Matt, HBO, there are rumblings that they're going to do a Harry Potter reboot. Mm. And that each season will represent one of the books. Right. So Harry Potter series reboot on HBO is blank. A soulless cash grab. Um, I, especially with everything that's going on with J.K. Rowling and her opinions and her kind of... Uh, <laughs> Her stances where even when she's given the opportunity to back it off, she doubles down uh, and triples down and quadruples down on what she's been talking about. Um, and I, while I do think there's an opportunity to maybe make the first Harry Potter season, the first book, better because that first film is not particularly good, uh, mm-hmm. mostly due to how young the principals are and just the kind of issues you have with child actors. But... I don't know. I never really read the books. I'm not super excited about them. Um, I think it's cool that people really enjoy them, but I don't know. I mean, is there really that much more that's in those books that is not already on screen somewhere? Yeah, that's something I could think of. Or I think it would be interesting because you could expand upon what's in the books for each season, really right. get into everything. But the problem, I haven't read them either, so I have no idea how much unfarmed content there is per book to right, do that right plus i'd be happy if she never got another dollar in her life at this point <laughs> but well that that yeah. uh that hogwarts video game is is you know selling like hotcakes so she's getting certainly some royalties from that oh uh, well there you go so yeah i don't know we'll see how it goes well i'm if, I'll just be rewatching my uh last of us 4k there you, probably, go. Or, there you, go. you know you should be watching folks i want to say uh perry mason that show is excellent mm. and uh it's currently on hbo hbo max there check it out it's right. very very good the All second right. season so far it's it's more cohesive mm-hmm. it's tighter i think it's better than the first season so All right. there you go okay i'll add it to the list the ever the ever lengthening list yeah um so james gunn came out and made some comments about uh superhero fatigue and he said that it's it's real uh, but it's not about the characters. The characters themselves, there's nothing wrong with them, and it's unlikely people will ever get tired of them. It's more about the stories that are being told. So, 
James Gunn's mm-hmm. comments about superhero fatigue are blank. Correct. Mm. I think that's the one thing about superheroes and comic books in general is that it is the perfect genre for movies and what they represent, the escape, mm-hmm. right? And if you tell the story and you tell it right, then I don't think it matters. I think you can totally continue to make comic book movies. The problem is you can get in a rut. I think this is where the MCU is right now. Mm-hmm. That is all, it just feels like we're constantly spinning our wheels here at this point for the last, I don't know, what, year or two? Yeah. And I think he's entirely right about it. They get a right, the right characters and you get the right story. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. That it'll, it, you'll surpass any feelings of fatigue. Yeah. I, I also agree with him. I agree with him. Um, I think they are right. It's interesting to see that, um, Marvel announced that they're kind of slowing down their slate. Um, they may be pushing things back. Maybe they end up even yep. canceling some things, which may be the right call. Um, maybe they go back to the drawing board. I don't know. And then, of course, there's all of the ongoing, still developing issues with um, Jonathan Majors um, mm-hmm. to how all that's going to play out. I, I did see the the trailer for Secret Wars or Secret Invasion, excuse me. Yep. Um, seems like it have a really serious tone, which is something they haven't done in a while. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. Um, but honestly, yeah. if it means I'm completely fine with them slowing down the content, if it means they are take a step back and are more thoughtful on how they want to approach some of this stuff. Yeah. I think that'd be good. I would agree with that. It's yeah. I think they're going to doing four films. Now they're down to three mm-hmm. per year. Yeah. Right. I think like you said, they're even to slow down the shows as well. Yeah. So they must be seeing something too. I'm sure in the, in the Disney, the viewership numbers, in yeah. Disney plus maybe in regards to the, and also to Ant-Man three man that, that thing went off a cliff it after did. that first week right so yeah i think part of what the complaints that i've heard are it's just becoming too much they expect people to kind of consume all this content to even understand what's going on and just people mm-hmm. are not doing that i mean it's not like where you can just plop down and watch a spider-man movie and you know maybe you have to see the one before it but you don't have to see everything around it to understand what's going on kind of thing what do you think about that with the John Wick franchise? Because I think they're really in that at this point now, too. Yeah. But it didn't seem to be... Well, it's only four films, too. We're not talking 30. Right. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And, two, I think as we talked about last week, they don't even go to any length to explain any of that stuff. So, like, even if you've never seen another one, it's like, okay, like, you know about as much as anybody else does, you know, about the Continental or the High Table or how much a freaking coin's worth, any of that stuff. I mean, it doesn't <laughs> really matter. Yeah. That's true. You know, I was going to go see uh, John Wick 4 again, Mm -hmm. and then I realized when I was looking at tickets, I was scrolling through in the app, and it's not in the Dolby anymore because Dungeons & Dragons was, and this week now Mario Brothers is, and I'm like, I'm not doing that to myself. Right. I'm not going to sit and just watch another poorly projected film in an AMC theater that's not the Dolby. Yeah. I, I will, so I didn't go. I will not go to any film that's not in the Dolby unless I absolutely have to. Like it's literally not playing in the Dolby. But if it's yeah. if it's in the Dolby or the IMAX, I'm always picking the Dolby because the picture is so much better. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, too here for Friday. Yeah. You're gonna love this. Mm-hmm. Even though you're not here. 9:30 a.m. showing of Super Mario Brothers. That is the Mario Brothers movie. I wish every film would have a 9 30 <laughs> showing so i could get in enjoy it and then have the rest of the day to do what i want instead of taking out like four or five hours in the middle of a sunday to go watch it kind of thing i know man those pre-pandemic days those were the best yeah. back then mm-hmm. 
So where are we? Is it my turn? Yes. Yours? Where are we? Uh, I just did uh, James Gunn. So yeah, it's your That's turn. Right. All right, Matt. I where am I? So I've done two so far. Yeah, I have two more, but let's just stick with one. Which one should I go with? All right, I'll do this one. It's in theme. Matt, what is the best D and D card? Like, which is the best one to have? The best. Oh, what's your favorite D and D? Isn't there like a card or something? Or no, no, that's that's. So you're thinking of Magic the Gathering, which is also owned by the D and D company, but uh, they don't have cards. But if you're talking about what is my favorite character class, I personally am a big fan of the Bard, which is what uh, Chris Pine is supposed to be. Now. My one, one of my only deep geek criticisms, um, is that the bard is actually supposed to be able to cast spells. He's supposed to be magic. And so is the druid beyond just turning into different shapes. So, but they consciously left that out because they didn't want to, to confuse the casual person as to why does everybody have magic. But the bard is my favorite, uh, especially the fact of, uh, being able to inspire your teammates, which is what he does throughout the entire film. So is that like his thing so he can inspire people? Yeah, it's like can... a support class. So basically you give a rousing speech or, you know, something to like, you know, in you know, make it so that your your teammates fight better or they, you know, roll better or something like that. So it's like a bonus. So how does it work then? You'd be like, "All right, so you would do your role mm-hmm. and then you'd play you'd say, "All right, I'm the bard and with this role, you all now have like five plus XP power on your potions or something like that. Yeah, something. It's, I'm it's, actually. I'm honestly. I'm, I know it sounds like I'm being an asshole, but I'm seriously asking you that. Yeah, basically, you just say, um, "I'm going to let's say Chris is going to try and pick this lock without the guards hearing him." So then I'll say, "I will inspire. I will inspire Chris to." you know, aid in his lock picking check kind of thing. And maybe if I'm really into it, I'll actually make up something for you to say, because some people will say, all right, well, how do you do it? And then you describe what you do um, to, you know, maybe I get down behind Chris and I put my hand, my hands on his shoulders and give him a back rub and just say, you got this man, you got this while you, while you roll the, while you roll the dice. And then you just add, you add what I did for you to the results to hopefully, you know, pass. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Fun. Yeah. Barge of the way it goes. That's me. Um, all right. So I was a little surprised to hear about this, but apparently they're going to make a heat too. Um, it seems to be mm. progressing right along with Michael Mann and Adam Driver is in it. Now I have absolutely nothing more about it from beyond reading that headline. So here we go. Uh, heat two with Adam Driver will also feature blank. Who else is going to be in it? So I do know a couple people supposedly that are in it. I'm blanking on who it is now. Son of a god! Because I saw this online myself. Austin Butler supposedly. Uh, Al's coming back. Oh, okay. I was wondering if Al was going to come back or De Niro. And I can't remember who the female lead is. The female, but there's a. Um, oh well. So who else is going to be? I don't know. Well, because yeah, because De Niro dies in the first one, right? Hal kills, shoots him, kills him at the end of the airport. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I remember them holding hands, uh, but I don't remember what happened after that. It's been a long time since I've seen Heat. Yeah. So who else? All right, so let's let's feign cast Heat yeah. two then. Yeah. All right. Well, I feel like oh wait was oh no that was the other guy. So we'll say Michael Madsen because mm-hmm. it was. <laughs> <laughs> 
because uh, Sizemore, and of course Sizemore is no longer with us, but he, I believe he dies as well in that mm-hmm. one. As does Val, right? Val, does Val get away? God, it's been so long since I've watched. I, that. I, I don't remember, but Val's in no shape to to act anyway. Yeah. You know, Ashley Judd maybe Ashley could show up. Maybe, again. I wouldn't maybe. Have seen some Ashley, but would she be? She, eh. where am I? I got Madsen. Who else do I want in this film? Uh, you said. Uh... So uh, let's let's just let's completely fan cast this. So we'll just take some some people of the moment. We'll reunite some ex castmates. We'll put Jenna Ortega and Mia Goth somehow in there, you know, <laughs> so she can talk about babies while she's you know, robbing a yeah! bank. <laughs> That's how she's gonna rob the bank. That's what she's gonna say to the teller. That's gonna, it's gonna be That's her calling good. card. Yeah. You're right. Mia Goth definitely be in it. Mia Goth, sure. Oh, Michael B. Jordan. Let's do Michael B. Jordan. There you go. See? And you know who actually I want? I want, uh, you said Jenna Ortega. How about some Amber Midthunder? Okay. From, uh, that Prey movie. Oh, yeah. That would be good. Yeah. She should be getting more work, I think. She was good in Legion. Did you ever watch that show? No. I started, like, I think I watched the first couple episodes and I never got into it. And you know who I want to make, ca- uh, who, who should do a cameo? Hmm. Like he's, a, he's in a diner or something? Oh. T- Tarantino. Oh, that'd be sweet. That would be fun. You know, or speaking of, who was the guy in The Guest? I'm blanking on his name, but he could be like Val Kilmer's oh, yeah, son yeah, yeah. or something. Oh, that's good. Dan Stevens, yeah, right? Yeah, Dan Stevens. There you go. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good pull. What about, uh, you know, else we need to? Um, Werner Herzog's got to show up in some capacity. Definitely. I love it when Werner Herzog shows up. He is fantastic. Like, when he showed up in... The first season of The Mandalorian was Chef's Kiss. I had no idea why he was there, but it was I was here for it. Yeah, that's good. I think I'm good. So I got Michael B. Jordan. I got Quentin Werner. Yeah. I got Mia Goth. Yeah, Dan Stevens. Uh, Dan Stevens, Amber Midthunder, Jenna Ortega. Yeah, it's a pretty murderer's row of young Hollywood right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got to... Okay, what about... Do we have to throw a Skarsgård in there? Just somewhere? Just pick one? Are, they, are we obligated to? <laughs> I feel like we need to have one of them. Yeah, maybe maybe Werner and uh, the elder Skarsgård can be like a couple or something. Like the world's most Nordic couple. That would be fantastic. And I want, I want Lupita Nyong'o. Okay. I think I want Lupita in there too. Yeah, okay, that works. Man, we uh, have just made an incredible movie. That's The budget's <laughs> going to be through the roof though, but yeah. It's my good. man. I, They'll do it. They'll take a cut to work with him. So, uh, did you... I know there was... I'm assuming you didn't read the book, because I, I didn't. Heat 2. No, I didn't. Is it like a direct sequel, or is it just like a different group of people with a different... Mm. I, I think it's just got to be about bank robbers with a really cool running gun battle in it somewhere with awesome sound effects. Like, it doesn't feature, like, Val and Ashley's kid yeah. type thing. It's just... Uh, I told you I did absolutely zero research. Why did you do this to me? I'm trying to look it up real fast to see if there's any kind of... Do you think there'd be like a Wikipedia on this? Heat 2 book Wikipedia. Let's see what it says. Heat 1. No, let's go to deadline here. Detailed lives of characters before and after 1995's crime classic. Oh, okay. Interesting. So De Niro could come back then. Yeah. But I don't know. He's they're so he's old. Too, yeah, he's way too old for that. They could digitize. You know, I'm really curious about that Dial of Destiny mm. Indiana Jones thing because yeah. the trailer, the de-aged indie looks good, but I don't know if that's how it's going to hold up in my Dolby theater. I'm a little nervous about right. that. Well, we'll see. 
The novel starts one day after the events of the, fir- of the film with a wounded Chris, Val Kilmer, desperate to escape L.A. The story moves to both the six years preceding the heist and the years immediately following it, featuring new characters and new worlds of high-end professional crime with highly cinematic action sequences. All right. Okay, so it could be all the people he wants. Right. And then, I just don't know what you do with the, the years before. How do you... I guess you de-age stuff and see what you can do. Yeah, but it's not going to work. I mean, if... The Irishman proved that it didn't work. I mean, a de-aged De Niro who's supposed to be kicking a guy's ass in the middle of the street, I was like, dude, you're going to break a hip. Please stop doing that. <laughs> well, I think what you do is you just digitally put his face on a younger actor. Yeah, there you go. They did that. Like, what did I... We just saw that... Oh, I think with John Wick. Okay. When um, There's a couple scenes, like when he's on a motorcycle or something zipping through. Gotcha. I don't know if it was A... Uh, a stunt actor who just kind of made up to look like him yeah. or if they put his face on somebody a couple times right. it looked kind of I, I couldn't make it out but uh you could always do that too so find somebody who looks similar to them that's good deep fake it you know call it a day so all right that'll be a fun film we'll check that out we will of course we will we're here to check out everything for you that's our loyal right. listeners so uh what's coming up uh next week on the big show matt uh well, oh wait i got what are your thoughts on the fill-in-the-blanks feedback at firstrun.com? Yeah. I'm really doing Well, again, again, it's it's after 10 o'clock, and we're up way past our bedtime. That's right. <laughs> Grandpa's got to get to bed. Matt, what's up next week? Uh, it's me, Mario. It's, we're going to watch the new Mario Brothers film, um, and I think we tentatively have it paired with Puss in Boots, uh, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, we shall see because I'm hearing air is pretty good. Yeah, I don't. Can I pull off two films? I have no idea. I'll just think about that. I don't know. Things are crazy. Uh, all right, that sounds good. We got to fill in our um, final segments too. Man, that's a pretty <laughs> empty looking column right now on the, uh, the old TFR calendar. And then we have to throw. I think we're going to be starting to our uh, our next marathon, marathon pretty soon. soon yeah, right? and May I think is what we decided our next marathon was going to start. May fifth. Yeah. So we got to find a, a a match for Renfield, and then. That following week is Evil Dead Rise and Bo is Afraid. So that's going to be a big week, I think. Yeah. So, all right. We'll figure out what happens. I will say I'm going to be very upset if I feel what happens in Mario Brothers happens. And I I will just say I will not stand for the Italian erasure. Eraser? Eraser. Mm. I'd, if he if he doesn't say, it's a me, a Mario, <laughs> I'm going to be very angry. <laughs> So, so what as an as an Italian, I mean, what would be worse? They had him talk like a normal dude or a complete Italian caricature? That's a good question. I I would well, I mean, what's most offensive, I guess, if he's you know, me doing an Italian impression. I think that would be the worst. <laughs> but the total eraser of it, the whole thing would be very upsetting too. Gotcha. I mean, I, I don't like I don't know what I need. Like does he have to be eating like pasta? Though I think what, didn't they get that from the Chinese pasta? They did, yeah. Either way. He's eating pizza the whole time. Sure. That's and, it. And, that he's, and he's saying me. he's like, you know, talking about mozzarella and menagot. <laughs> that works. All right. The meat. Check us out at thefirstrun.com. You can find our archive, all the old shows, see the calendar. No, you can't see the calendar, can you? Maybe you can. I should probably link that. And then um, the report card and all the other stuff there at thefirstrun.com. Check us out on Facebook, YouTube. Twitter, Instagram, do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you'll find us. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. 
it'll help other people find the show. Matt, we just recorded our episode on Memoirs of an Invisible Man mm. for Screen Run mm-hmm. with a friend of the show, Shauna, which was uh, fun. And uh, that'll be posting, I think, in another week or so. So you can check that out. And that's it. All right, fine. Let's close it up. I'm going to go tuck myself in. Everybody enjoy the rest of your evenings and or days. I don't know when you listen to this. We love you very much. Take care. See you.